Well, good morning, and welcome to Genesis. If this is your first time here, so glad that you're here. My name is Sam. I'm the pastor here. I think I know most of you. It's good to see you guys here this morning. And this morning, we are going to begin a new talk series called Momentum. And the idea of this came to me as life has been coming to me. There are so many times where I am confronted with things that I do, and I wonder, why did I do that? Why did I act that way? And you find many times that the things you do are just things that you're used to doing, and it's almost as if your life's momentum is carrying you along, and instead of you being in charge or the master of your own destiny, it seems like your past is becoming a master of your own destiny. So we're going to take a number of talks, I'm not sure exactly how many yet, maybe five or so, and talk about different areas of how our life's momentum may be steering us and how we can take charge or take back that charge of our lives so that we can direct our lives in the way that we know we should go, the way we want to go, and not just the way we've been going. And so we're going to pause and take a moment to pray more for my sake than yours, but let's pause a second and and come before the Lord in prayer. God, I am grateful for this morning and for our time together, and I pray, Lord, you would give me clarity of thought and words that the things that are spoken here this morning will be helpful in our lives, that it would be something that would give us deeper understanding into your desire for us. And may we connect to you this morning, and in connecting to you, may it influence how we live in the world with others. I thank you for this time, Lord, and pray you would help us to understand more fully how you have created us and what you have created us for. And we do ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. When I think of momentum, I think of skiing, snowboarding. Those of you, I've only snowboarded once. It wasn't pretty. Um, I think of skateboarding. I, I think of the time when I would try and see how fast I could go on a skateboard. And so we'd go up into some hills and we'd get on a skateboard and we'd tighten our trucks and we'd get low and we didn't have helmets. I didn't have helmets. And and so we'd try and see how fast we could go down this hill. And the only way we could measure our speed is by following in a car, which if you think about it, wasn't very smart because if you wiped out, the car would probably run you over. So it was incentive not to wipe out. But once you get on that board, it's kind of on its own now. I mean, you could jump off, but after a certain period of time, you really can't jump off safely. And the same thing with me skiing, because I didn't know how to stop for a while. And so it was like, well, I'll just go fast. And I got good at going fast. I wasn't good at turning until later on I got a little bit better. But that momentum carries you, and it's amazing how it picks up speed as time goes on. 
And sometimes life feels that way, where we feel like it's just moving and we're just gaining speed, but we don't really have the control maybe that we would like to have. And so when we talk about this idea of momentum, I want to look at some areas where I think it's important that we recognize that we have control or that we try and take control back in our lives. And so this morning we're going to talk about love and we're going to talk about intimacy. I figure I'll get this one out of the way. Uh, how do you spell intimacy? Is it I am? I am a C-Y. Thank you. I have it written down here. I just wasn't kidding. We're going to talk about love and we're going to talk about intimacy. And, and first of all, we need to recognize that we are complex people. You know, it's not one size fits all, one life connects to everybody in the same way. I mean, our brain itself has billions of neurons in it. And the connections that take place are in the trillions that take place just in our brain. There are more connections that take place in our brain than there are stars in the Milky Way galaxy. And we are just beginning to understand how those things work. In fact, there's more that we don't know than we do know. And so I'm not going to give you some things to say, here, this is for everybody, this is how it works, but I want to give us some understanding and maybe build on top of these concepts that we can grab hold of and see how they apply to our lives. But we are complex. I mean, why do I like Italian food? Is it genetic? Is it because, yeah, is it just because it's good and everyone should like it? I mean, is it part of my DNA because I'm Italian? Is it because I have memories of fondness when I ate Italian food at the family? It's probably a little bit of everything. And so the reasons that we have the things in our lives are probably connected to a lot of things. It's probably not just one thing. It's probably a lot of things that are resulting in why we do the things that we do. But when it comes to love, we know the beginning. And so in Genesis chapter 2, you can turn there, Genesis chapter 2, we have the beginning, and we can start at verse 18. In Genesis 2, verse 18, we, we get insight into the design, the, the beginning of things, and it says in verse 18, the Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. So it starts off God saying, it's not good that the man is alone. Now remember, this is before the fall. This is before the separation between men and God. This is when everything was good. It wasn't good that the man was alone. And so God was going to make a helper suitable for him. And I love because the next verses, it's like, well, where's the helper? It says in verse 19, now the Lord God had formed out of the ground all the wild animals and all the birds in the sky. He brought them to the man to see what he would name them. And whatever the man called each living creature, that was its name. So the man gave names to all the livestock, the birds in the sky and all the wild animals. But for Adam, no suitable helper was found. And so God says, it's not good that he's alone. I need to make a helper suitable for him. But then he creates all the animals and it doesn't cut it. Now, I'm going to rain on somebody's parade who thinks their pet is enough, okay? 
just saying right now, as cute as your cat or dog is, it's not the same. And so he goes on in verse 21, So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep, and while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and then closed up the place with flesh. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of man, and he brought her to the man. The man said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. That is why a man leaves his father and mother, and is united to his wife, and they become one flesh. Adam and his wife were both naked, and they felt no shame. And so we see from the beginning, God has designed us to need companionship. And we see this beautiful picture of what companionship looks like. As Adam gives this poetic response. This is bone of my bone. This is flesh of my flesh. Her name contains my name. She is the fulfillment of who I am. She is my completion. When I look at her, I'm seeing myself whole. And so in the beginning, there was this design for this companionship. And then it says that Adam Will leave a man will leave his father and mother and will be united to his wife or cleave to his wife. And that word there is literally the word that means to glue together. It has the idea in it of communion, where a man is to be united with his wife in communion, glued together. And it has in the connotation this connection that is both emotional and physical and so the two shall become one flesh is dealing with that physical intimacy but what we see here from the very beginning is God has put within us the need for intimacy it is not something that we just choose it is a need we are not good alone And so the need is here for intimacy, which is kind of, uh, could be a problem. Okay, if I have the need for intimacy, then how do I fulfill this need for intimacy? What does that look like? And so we have this quest and this desire to know and want to be loved. And the picture that we see here is that the two became one that they were in the garden, they were naked, they were not ashamed. There's something to think about. Did you guys go through last week's um, Artisan Soul? How many of you, when, who told you you were naked? Was that not amazing? Where we get shame? And so we see that in this relationship in the beginning, there is no shame. And we understand what love is because in 1 Corinthians 13, and you can turn there real quick, God gives us a little definition about love and what it looks like. In 1 Corinthians 13, starting at verse 4, we see that love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. 
It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. It never fails. It never ends. And isn't that what we want? In this idea of love, in this idea of intimacy, I I want someone who's patient. I want someone who's kind. I want someone who won't dishonor me, who's not seeking just for themselves, who's not easily angered. I want a person who keeps no record of wrongs, right? Don't you want that? We want these things. Do we want to be these things. And and so we have this understanding of what love looks like. Okay, this is what love looks like. So now, how do we get from this need to this understanding of what love looks like? And, And in our lives, as we have been pursuing, trying to fulfill the need that we have and this understanding of what love is, there are things that have gotten in our way. There are things as you're wanting to love and and to, to be loved and this need for intimacy and this wanting to be made whole, there are things that we encounter. Things like, oh... I don't know. What do you guys think of some things? The first one I think maybe is betrayal. Betrayal? Ale. Okay, thank you for the help. Betrayal. What's something else that gets in the way of this definition of love? Jealousy. Good. Ooh, we're, we're, we're alive now. Jealous, anger. What else? Internet? <laughs> Bitterness, okay. <laughs> like, what? Uh, well, money? Money? What else? Selfishness. Selfishness. <laughs> I didn't hear that one. Uh, Resentment? How about fear? And and so in our lives, we've experienced all these things. And you guys, I'm going to stop you. We've experienced all these things on our way trying to find this idea of love. And you see, the thing is, when you are needing something and knowing what you want or having an idea of this is my life, this is what I need, and then you come across these things like betrayal, like bitterness, like anger, they do something to you. Because once you get betrayed, you see, life isn't a whiteboard where, okay, I was betrayed, I'm just going to erase that. There, betrayal is no more. No, it's still there. And so now you enter into another relationship and the last guy or the last girl betrays you. You enter into this new relationship and guess what's in your mind? Betrayal. Now it's not the same person, but you enter that with the understanding because it didn't erase. That's not how we are made. 
And our lives start to pick up these things. And pretty soon our journey to get to love, it's not a straight line. It's like, well, no, I got to go around here and I got to deal with this and I got to go over here. And by the time we try and get to the relationship, we are carrying the baggage of all those other relationships that we've brought along. And now we act a little guarded. Why? Because I was betrayed. And now we're a little hurt. Why? Because of bitterness. And now we carry along the anger. And so wanting to be whole, knowing what love is, that it's kind, that it doesn't hold a record of wrongs. Well, my mind has a lot of records of wrongs. Or maybe I'm the one who caused a lot of wrong and I carry the guilt of that. And so how do we get from here to here with this mind filled of problems without allowing it to dictate how we live? Because we all have these things to some degree or another. Some have been hurt and wounded deeply. I know a few people who, because of betrayal, have had emotional, physical breakdowns. Why? Because it affects who I am. And now everything that I see and how I live is seen through this prism of betrayal. And it starts to affect even our relationship with God. God, you made me to need love, to need this intimacy, but look at what's happened because of this need in my life. And it actually affects even our relationship with God. And so what we need to do is find out how can we get to this place of love without letting all the momentum of these events that have happened in my life take place. I read a a poem by a friend of mine, Monique, who spoken at the grassroots a couple of times, and it just struck me as really being, I don't want to say a beautiful way, but I guess a clear way of maybe looking at this. And she wrote, I have this theory that people love me more after I have left them. I'm not good at leaving, so I usually let people leave me first. For some reason, they seem to always come back, and I let them. I like the way attention feels against my ego, so my mouth says yes even when my heart means no. I sometimes say I don't know instead of what I really think because I'm scared. I've realized I don't like verbalizing the things I want unless I know they are absolutely attainable. I have come to understand that this is fear cutting off potential. I'm sorry for cutting you off Because I was afraid, I always find the silver linings, especially on rainy days. This makes heartbreak a little bit less thunderstorm and more rainbow. I let people build homes inside of me until they decide I am more vacation than home. When this this happens, I like to pretend like I expected it to happen. Shots of whiskey have started tasting like premeditated mistakes that I'm already planning and apologizing for. They sound like all the things we don't talk about because we're too scared. Sometimes it's just easier to find answers in the bottom of a shot glass than in confrontation. 
And what struck me about this is the idea of I just need to find something easier to ease the pain of this need that I have, but I'm not here yet. And so what our lives do is we find ways to feel better about the need without actually getting through the problems for the relationship. Because if you don't know by now, if you're going to be involved in a relationship, if you're going to develop love and intimacy with somebody, it's going to be a lot of work. I didn't shock anyone, did I, right? No one's surprised by that. It's not something that you're going to get just from going to the movies. It's not something you're going to be able to get by just talking on the phone to somebody. It's not going to be something that you're able to attain to without working through some very important details. And so we need to look at those details and we need to talk about those things so that we can get to a place where we understand maybe the things that we're doing to try and find love that are actually carrying us instead of us having the goal in mind and following those things. And so you're going to turn to John chapter 4 and we're going to look at Jesus' encounter with a woman at the well. It's a pretty familiar passage of scripture. So John 4. And as we look at this, we're going to kind of stop and look at how Jesus deals with this woman and talks to her. Because I think we see a building up and an understanding of what is taking place. Verse 4 says, Now he had to go through Samaria, so he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are, you are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For the Jews do not associate with Samaritans. So first of all, we see that there's a conversation that's taking place, and the conversation is just one of exchange. They're just exchanging information. Exchange. Man, why do, can't I exchange? G-E. I can do it on paper. It's just up here. I, I feel the pressure. Okay. Exchange. And so this is a level of conversation. And what we're going to see is that for relationships to take place, there has to be exchange. There has to be conversation. James says that our words are this fire that set ablaze the course of the world. With them, we bless people. With them, we curse God. But how can streams of poison and pure water come out of the same fountain? And we find that in this conversation is where things take place. You see, the way you get to know someone is by talking to them. Unless you have a 
private investigator follow them, okay? But it's not going to be a good relationship. So the way that we are going to interact is going to begin with exchange. It has to begin with a conversation. If there is no conversation, there will be no relationship. But the conversation begins with just exchange. And the exchange is this. Hey, can you get me some water? Hey, it's a nice day today. Aren't you glad it's cooled down? Hey, the Dodgers. Great. They, they're in the play. That's exchange. It's just information. And this is where relationships begin is in this exchange of information. And so Jesus, as he begins to talk with the Samaritan woman, it's just transactional. He's just exchanging information. He's not starting off with, hey, by the way, I'm the Messiah. Just thought I'd let you know. It doesn't start there. It starts just with exchange of information. And you would be surprised how difficult this is just for some people. We're going to talk about relationships again at another part. We're talking a little bit more in deeper intimacy, but for there to be friendships, it has to begin with exchange. Just a heads up, if you're looking to start dating, this is where you start, okay? You start with, hey, how are you? My name is, okay? Don't start somewhere else. We'll get there later. So it starts with the exchange, and as he's talking to the woman, he's just saying, hey, How about some water? She says, hey, you're a Jew. I'm a Samaritan. We don't deal with these things. Verse 10, Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asked you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman says, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Can you get this living water? Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and his livestock? And so now she's asking a little deeper question that says, who are you to give this kind of water? This well comes from our fathers. And so now she's starting to go a little deeper into their history. Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming to draw this water. He told her, Go call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, You are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is, you've had five husbands. And the man you are, you have is not your husband. The man you now have is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. Dang. Okay. Jesus just got deeper. And so what he just did now is went into this history of her life. It's a personal history. It's finding out a little bit more. It's digging a little bit deeper. You see, everyone comes with a story. Every person has history. Every person has these things that have happened to them. And what has to happen for us to get to a place of intimacy and love is we need to find out about the people. We need to know more about them. 
We need to discover things. You're never going to get into a deeper relationship until you get to actually know the person. And so you start finding out their history. You start finding out the things that they've done when they were younger, the things that they've gone through. You start encountering that person in a deeper way. You start engaging with them in a way that is a lot more invasive. Karina and I, when we were dating, we dated for about two years before we got married. And in that time, and in that period of time, we got to know each other a lot better. We got to know each other's families. We got to know each other's stories. We, we were able to talk about the things that have actually happened in our lives to us, things that we were about. And that time was an important step in us moving forward into a deeper relationship. We had to understand who we were, the baggage that we carried. And that was two years, and and I can tell you, she will tell you, that two years did not fully prepare us for the life that was ahead. I'm just letting you know. You might think, two years, that's a long time to be dating someone. It might be a long time, but it could have been a lot more. We could have used a lot more. I mean, it was great. Two years was good. But people are deep. When you are with someone, do you know what they're about? Do you care to find out their history? Do you care to know about the things that have happened to them? The things that maybe they are bringing along in that journey? Have they been betrayed? Have they been hurt? Were they in love before? What did that look like? Because whether you like it or not, they're bringing that into this relationship now. But we don't usually like to ask those things. We're afraid of those kinds of questions. What if I find out something I don't want to know? What if I found out, oh, they were in love with someone else? What if I find out, you know, that they were engaged to be married? Or what if I find out they were, you know in a psych ward somewhere and, you know, they escaped. I mean, what, what if I, 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 who knows what I'm going to find out and we're afraid to dig because we actually bring with us the fear of what we might know and what we might uncover and maybe I'll find something out that'll keep me from fulfilling this need for love and so we don't ask the questions, we don't dig, we just want the need filled. And so we pursue these things, wanting to fill the need, but we don't want to really know. But you have to know if you're going to have a relationship that is intimate and that is close. And if you don't find out the history and you don't find out these things about the people, you will never get to the place of intimacy you have to have the conversation. And and so Jesus goes there. He doesn't shy away. Go get your husband. Now, he already knew she had five. I'm guessing. Go get your husband. He's asking a question. I don't have a husband. Oh, yeah, you're right. You've had five, and the guy you're with now isn't your husband. 
he goes there. How many of us are willing to go there in a relationship to ask the hard question and say, what about this? Why would you go there? Because to get to a deeper level, you have to. And so he goes there in that question. And so, where am I? I changed chapters. How did I do that? Okay. I'm in chapter three. Sorry about that. Technology. And so Jesus says, you've had five husbands. The one you have now isn't your husband. And so, sir, the woman said, verse 19, I can see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshiped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is Jerusalem. Woman, Jesus replied, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know. For salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit and his worships. Worshippers must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know that the Messiah called Christ is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. Jesus then, just then his disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking with a woman. But no one asked, what do you want or, or why are you talking with her? Then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? They came out of the town and made their way towards him. Jesus moved from this place of exchange to finding out or talking about the deep things at her. And then he even got into the areas of spiritual things. And her response when she went into town is, come and see the man who told me everything I ever did. Now, what does that mean? Everything that I ever did. Did he tell her everything she ever did? Well, he told her some of the things she did, but it wasn't everything what he did, or what she was saying, was that, come and see the person who knows me. You see, and so now he moved in this place, and it was very mysterious the way it happened. Talked about worship, and the true worshipers will worship the Father in his spirit and truth. And so they got to this place of mystery where she felt like, this guy gets me. He knows me. He knows what makes me tick. He knows what I'm about. He knows the things that are there inside of my heart. He answered the question that my soul is crying out. And this area of mystery is a very elusive one. There are things that are a part of our lives that are developing as life carries on. I am not married to the same woman I married 30 years ago. Oh, she has the same name. She's just as beautiful. Aw, she's here. But she is not the same woman and I am not the same man. 
there has been a lot that has happened in those years. There's been some great times and there's been some horrible times. We've had some bad moments. We've had some bad days. We've had some bad weeks. We've had some bad years. And and through all that time and all those years, her soul is shaping, growing, changing. And who she is today, I still need to discover and find out. You don't just get to know someone and then you are done. To get to this place of love, to this place where it's intimate, it's a journey that doesn't end. And the minute you stop it, the minute you think, I got it, I understand, I know you, you know me, the minute that mystery stops, the intimacy will stop. And so this is a constant discovery. This idea of mystery is finding out where the person is at and what's going on. Every now and then I'll be talking to Corrine and all of a sudden she'll be sharing something and she'll start to cry because it's that important to her. It's that deep to her. And I'm like, whoa, I I had no idea that that meant so much to you. And you see, that's just a little window into her soul about what's going on. And then I have to decide... Okay, what's this about, this mystery? Do I want to find out more? Do I ask? Do I dare ask the question? Do I get past the exchange and just knowing the information? Do I want to know who she really is and what's really going on with her? Because for intimacy to take place, there has to be the investigation of the mystery. There has to be the learning. There has to be the growing There has to be the investigating. There has to be that kind of mystery for intimacy to take place. And what happens to us is this is a lot of work to get to this place of being intimate. I have to find out the information. I have to spend the time and learn. I have to continue spending time, continue growing, to continue to know But sometimes I don't want to go through all this. I just want to fill the need. And so then people will go into the physical relationship or intimacy because it's an interesting interesting thing. There I go with the A again. In chapter 4 of Genesis, it says that Adam knew his wife. And then they had children. Okay, we all know what that means, right? You all get that. Isn't it interesting that the word for this relationship, physical, is the word yada, it means to know. He knew his wife. And it means to know in other areas that aren't sexual. But it has to do with this understanding. He knew his wife. And that understanding of wanting to know, sometimes we just, okay, I want the feeling of intimacy And so when I have this physical relationship, I feel intimate, but I am not really there. And so we 
try and bypass the work to get to the understanding of the person by doing the physical relationship. Why? Because that's what we're used to, to feeling close to someone. And so we just go to the physical, but we never spend the time to know them. We never investigate who they are. We don't understand the mystery. We just want to bypass that and feel close. And so many times our relationships will bypass all this to try and feel the need, will jump to the physical, and now the physical, we think, will get us to the love, but what happens is we are living still in a very surface area, and once the relationship starts to unfold, we find out, well, there really wasn't much conversation. I really don't talk to this person very much. I really don't know much about them. I really am not that curious about them. And then what happens? Well, you know, you're going to have to talk a lot more than you have sex, just for you guys who are single to let you know, okay? So if you never learn how to talk, this is not going to cut it for you when the rubber meets the road and you have to actually have a relationship. And then you find out, well, I wasn't really ready for a relationship. I just wanted the feeling of having the intimacy without putting the work in to get to the place of intimacy. And so so many people, their momentum is, I need to fill the need. I need to fill the need. Well, the physical feels the need, at least it feels like it does, but then it doesn't, and we wonder, why am I here? Why, why has this happened to me? Why has this happened to me again? Why do I keep making these choices? Why do I keep going out with these guys who I end up being losers. Well, because you're trying to fill the need, but you're trying to jumpstart it. And you're not going through the process to get to actually know them, to find out who they are, and to see and investigate the mystery. See, if you're not with somebody who you can spend all day talking to, if you're not curious about them, if you don't wonder what makes them tick or the depth of who they are, if you don't have the care about those things of them, then you shouldn't be in that relationship. Now, if you are married and there is no intimacy, we're like strangers living in the same house. How do we get to the place of intimacy? It's the same way. See, do you come home and all it is is exchange? Hey, how was your day? My day's good. How about yours? Yeah, it's good. What are we having for dinner? Oh, this is having for dinner. And all about your life is just here in the exchange. And you know a little bit of history about each other now, and so you can investigate a little bit, but there's been a loss of mystery. You see, if you lose these things, you will lose the intimacy. And so what needs to happen is you need to reconnect to the mystery of who that person is. Because whether you recognize it or not, they are fearfully and wonderfully made. And God is doing something and their potential to do something is incredible. Do you know what it is? Do you know what their dreams are? Do you know what their aspirations are? Or do you even care? Have you stopped caring? Oh, intimacy is dead. There is no intimacy in our relationship. Why? Maybe you stopped caring. Because we all need hope. We all have that desire and dream. Do you know what it is about your spouse? Because maybe what has to happen is you need to reconnect to the mystery so that you can regain the intimacy of the relationship. It's not going to happen without the work.
And, and so we try and bypass that. Well, I, I want the feeling of intimacy, but I don't want the work of intimacy. That's a lot of work, and, and I'm fearful of rejection because of what's happened in the past, and so I don't put the time into the work. And pretty soon we're sabotaging the chance for something deep because of what has happened in our past. And we don't realize that we have come to a place where now we have this roadblock in our lives and we can't get past it. We can't get past it. And what's holding us back is all these things that have happened in our past that will not let us pursue. Why? Because I'm afraid. I'm scared. And so it's easier to look at the bottom of the shot glass than to engage in this area of intimacy. It's easier to to look at pornography than to have to try and get intimate with my wife or my spouse. It's easier to just disregard and stay surface and do the exchange and do the things that are just historical but not mysterious and not gauge there. It's just easier to that. It's safer to do those things. I'm not worried about betrayal. I'm not worried about being let down. I'm not afraid of those things. And so I'll stay in this place of safety. But I will never know them. And they will never know me. And I will never be satisfied until this is fulfilled. And you see, it's such a struggle. And it's so much work. And it's meant to be. It's meant to be. For us to know each other, that yada, we have to spend the time to learn who we are. And it takes time. It's not something you just, yeah, I know you. That's fine. Now, if you're married and you say, man, we got married after you know one month. What do I do now? I'm kind of in this relationship and I find out, well, you begin like everyone else begins. You begin with the exchange, the history, the mystery. It's life going on. Our exchange has to continue. History is constantly developing and the mystery is always there. If you're single, start here. Don't try and go to the place of mystery. Hey, What makes you tick? Excuse me? (laughs) Yeah, I want to know just really what's going on inside of you. You don't even know their name, okay? Don't start there. Just a little cue for those of you who are are dating. You start with the exchange. You have to build your way there. Don't try and, yeah, I want to get to the mystery because I need intimacy in my life. Don't be desperate, okay? Start with the exchange. Start there so you get to know the person. Find out about those things and then work your way there. And if you're married but you're not having the place of intimacy, start seeing where are you missing the mystery. And you need this. And to fulfill the need, you have to go through this conversation is where it's going to take place. That's where you get to know someone. You don't get to know someone with just a bat of the eye. Hey, how's it going? It takes conversation. And if you're afraid of conversation and the conversation stays shallow, it will never develop into what it needs to be. 
And don't let the things that have happened in the past take you off track for what needs to happen so that your life can be connected to a person. In Proverbs 16.24, it says, Gracious words are a honeycomb, sweet to the soul and healing to the bones. The woman at the well said, This man knows me. Jesus, in a conversation that started with exchange, went to history, got to the mystery of what was going on inside of this woman. She wanted to know, where do you worship? How do you worship God? And he was able to tell her. Our lives need to understand how we as human beings are. And we need to take the time to go there with one another. And if we're not willing to go there, we are going to forfeit what our needs are. And I want to be sensitive and aware. I know that there are single people here. And I know that there are people who are married and there's people who are dating. And so in all these areas, I understand, well, I have this need. I want love. I know what love looks like but I have no one in my life right now. We're going to talk about this more later on in one of our other talks. Don't bypass this, because if you try to jump from the need just to the intimacy, you're going to make the same mistakes that you've probably already made. How many times does this have to happen before you learn the lesson, I don't want to make that mistake again? Make the changes so that you don't, right? You know the definition of insanity, doing the same thing over and expecting different results. It's insane to think if you continue the relationships the way you are that have failed, it's going to bring a different outcome. Something changes and then you have a changed future. Put the time in so that you could have and fulfill what God has put in you, the need. Don't shortcut it. Otherwise, you will shortcut yourself. For those of you who are dating, take the time to learn about these people who you're dating so that you can know. What if you get to the place of history and you find out there's some things here that I don't know, I'm struggling with. Again, we'll talk about that more in our relationships as we talk about it later. For those of us who are married, our marriages struggle because we will not put the time in to investigate and have the conversations that are necessary to discover the mystery of the person. When Jesus said, it's because of the hardness of your heart that Moses allowed divorce. You might not be divorced, but is your heart hardened? Did you harden your heart because you quit wanting to know? Why did you quit wanting to know the mystery of your spouse? Why did you stop wanting to know their dreams and what they desire? Why did you stop wanting to know why they cry when they cry? Why did you stop caring about those things that are unique to that person? Because you need to 
so that you can experience what God has designed you for, that you might know them. Because that knowledge is both emotional as well as physical. And so we have to take the time to learn, to investigate, to have the conversation that we need to have to know how we really are. And if we won't take that time, if we're too quick, we will end up hurting ourselves in the depth of that relationship. Let's pray. Father, I know that there are times where it seems easier to do anything else than to have that conversation. I can watch TV, I can play games, I can read, I can do busy work. But to spend the time in conversation is something I fear because of maybe what's happened, something that I don't want to engage in because I'm afraid of what will come out, something that has not been pleasant in the past and so I I avoid it for my future, but By avoiding it, I also avoid what I really need in the relationship. And so I I pray for those who are married here and who find themselves in a place where their relationships are lacking. And they're aware of this. May we have the courage to step into these areas that need to be dealt with. May we not gloss it over. May we not live shallow and just an exchange and just history. May we delve into that scary and mysterious part that may uncover things that have to be reckoned, have to be dealt with. May we have the courage enough to change the momentum of our relationships and our lives to make them what we really want and what we need, what we were designed for. And Lord, I pray that you would give us that clarity of thought to see these things. Even as I'm talking about it, there might be things that are popping into our minds. We need to deal with this. I need to talk about this. Or or maybe there are people here who are are in that place of being single and they're now seeing, you know what, I've made this mistake. I've made this mistake. I don't want to make this mistake again. Help me to change the course of my practice so that I will have a different future and a different outcome. Lord, may we recognize the importance of these relationships in our lives and the importance of the conversation that needs to take place so the depth of the relationship can be there. And may we allow you, who have designed us, to give us guidance in how this moves forward, that we would move to a place of depth and of worship, 
Even as the woman at the well said, this man understands, he knows me. May we recognize that you are the one who really gets us. You're the one who made us and you're the one who knows how to make us function well. May we not leave you or abandon you trying to find this need solely in another person. May we recognize that you are the one who has designed us for intimacy. You are the one who brought Eve to Adam. said, it's not good that you're alone. So I'm going to make someone suitable for you. And Lord, those who are here who are struggling because of what has happened in the past, maybe it's a betrayal. Maybe it's a divorce. Maybe it's something that has scarred them. Lord, may you bring hope and healing that, Lord, you still are at work within our lives. And just like the woman at the well, Jesus, you will lead us to the place where we find the water that quenches our souls, the life that will bring healing to us. And so before we begin this journey of trying to find that person or even develop the the lack that is in our relationships, Lord, we are going to go to the one who gives us understanding, the one who gives us strength and resolve, the one who gives us the clarity to know how to live. Lord, we need your input. We need your help. We need your strength. We need your peace. We need you to mend those areas that have been broken, all those obstacles in our lives that we are now hurtling over, just trying to get back on path to the place we need to. Lord, we need your strength to get us there. And so we come to you even now, asking that you would heal us, that you would reveal these areas to us, and that you would bring wholeness to our lives. Lord, we do ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.